All right, guys, big episode of the Nordies podcast. We talk about Tiger Woods' nostalgic return, the Timberwolves playing game against the Clippers, and Kaprizov earns some lofty praise from his buddies here at the Nordies podcast. Here we go. Here we go, Nordy's Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm here with Ryan and Jim. How's it going, guys? Feeling great. Feeling great. And you? I'm feeling great, too. Happy to be here. Happy it's April. Hopefully, uh, we get more spring weather, and hopefully you guys, like, I don't know, maybe, like, sit outside and listen to the podcast, or, like, go for a bike ride, or I don't know what you guys do in the spring, but hopefully you do it while you're listening to the Nordy's Podcast. And you can find the Nordy's Podcast uh, anywhere you get your favorite podcast from, and you can also give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Nordy's Podcast. I probably just blew all your minds by doing that in a different order this time. You kind of did. did. It blew my mind. You caught my attention. I thought like you were having a stroke. Honestly, I was like, I was like going to look up Laura's number and be like, "Go check on Eric. I think something's wrong." Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. So here we go. Lots to talk about on our podcast. But before we do that, what are you guys drinking tonight? All right. I'm actually over in Chicago. Um, I kind of been on like a kick of like not local, but sort of, you know, not super far to ship the beer either. So this is Half Acre. Ryan, have you heard of this one? Half Acre? Yes. What yes. a fucking cool can on this thing. Uh, painted can with full color, which is awesome. Uh, this is their Tome Hazy Pale Ale. Dude, this is a really tasty beer. Um, so I'm kind of psyched on it. All right, guys, I'm having a delicious beer. I really like Ooh. this one. This is Blackstack's Well-Received. It's a funky Fodor Pilsner with Rywaka. I don't know. I don't know. It's fan-fucking-tastic. It's like a delicious Pilsner. Tastes like almost like a Belgian. It's really, really, really good. Nice. It was like $12, too. It was a great deal. I think everyone should go get it. Well-Received from Blackstack. Okay. Love nice. That. Um, all right. So the one I remember from a half acre gym is the Daisy Cutter. Oh, that's them. That's one of their yep. kind of. Anyway, um, I'm again recycling an old classic from uh, seven days ago. This is the Old Omen uh, Dark Bach Lager Springtime Beer. Again, really solid. And also, again, way better than anything I had in Texas. <laughs> fuck texas let's go all right here we go all right uh starting to line up the masters was this weekend and the biggest news from the masters was tiger woods returned and i don't even know if at this point i'm a tiger woods fan um but it is cool that this guy went through uh, a life-threatening accident something that very easily could have killed him it like pulverized the bones in his lower leg people thought maybe he was gonna have to have his leg amputated or he was gonna have to have um, surgeries that would make it so he would never walk again. And here he was less than two years later, uh, teeing off at the masters and making the cut, which was really cool. So I did think this was a good feel good story in sports for a guy who has had, you know, a rough 10 years. Is that fair to say? I mean, he has, but how many of these things has he have been brought about? Yeah. So not by himself, just wondering. Um, I mean, like I'm trying I to think the accident he was driving and drove off the road, right? Cause he was on pills or something, or maybe not. Maybe that's not fair. I, I don't think, 
for all I know, he was he was he's changed the narrative and it wasn't his fault at all. But it did sound okay. like he had some kind of bad reaction while he was driving. Who knows? If you're famous, you get to have those kind of things come out about you. If you're not famous, yeah. you just go to jail. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if we can judge him on that or not. Okay. We won't on that one. But yeah, he but I, think he was, I think he was speeding in an area that was well known as like a high volume accident area. And he was probably on something. Yeah. So the that, that combination is what caused the severity of it. Well, either way, you know, he's a controversial figure at this point, but it is cool. And it is part of his story that he's able to come back and compete a little bit. Well, especially because, like, he won it two years ago? Three? Three years ago? 2019. 19. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, in the Masters, I may, it really was a challenge for me because um, as a... As an avid sports watcher and person who feels like they know a lot about sports, I had no idea who was fighting for this title. Scotty Scheffler won this thing. And I, uh, before we, we started the pod, said some slapdick won the Masters. And Ryan said, yeah, the number one player in the world. I thought this was just <laughs> a random guy. But no, he's, so ha- is, he's, he's the best young player on earth. Doesn't mean he's not a slapdick. We don't know that about him. But... <laughs> he's apparently well established in the golf game too. I don't know. Yeah, he's he's from he's from like I think he went to the University of Texas. Like he went to the same high school as Matt Stafford and Clayton Kershaw. Um he's kind of coming into his own this season. And he's only 25 years old. Yeah, he's pretty young. Um I think he won uh his he won the Masters in his third start, which is the same that Tiger did. Um, this is his fourth win on the PGA Tour, which uh, Tiger won the Masters on his fourth win on the PGA Tour. So they were like highlighting a lot of these parallels. They're not the same player, obviously. Um, but I think Scott Scotty Scheffler has won four of the seven events he's entered this season. That's crazy. So far, so he's yeah. So, like, he's the best golf in the world. Yeah, like he's just on a on a completely different level at this point. So, um, and locked in at Augusta, uh, when you know you have like a handful of dudes that are under par, and the rest of the field is just struggling mightily um, to be in the lead and hang on to it. It's pretty admirable. I think it's a it, it's it's a, a sign of a potentially really good golfer, but. We've seen like Jordan Spieth go on runs for two years and then he hasn't won shit since. So um, we'll see. So I was thinking about it with the Masters because I'm not a big golf fan. I don't play golf anymore in my life. I definitely quit playing golf because it sucks and it's mostly misery. <laughs> um, I don't really watch golf. I actually think it's pretty boring unless like Tiger's fighting for the title, which I know is like such a basic thing to say, but it's where I'm, I've always kind of felt with golf. Um, but I did find myself feeling kind of like sentimental watching Tiger return. I thought it was a really cool moment. And I, I, I heard some commentary about Tiger wants to return because he wants to chase down this all-time Masters wins. I'm sorry, Majors wins, right? Which he'll never get. He's the, like, Jack, the Jack Nicholas. Yeah, like he'll never get or 15, it. and he needs to get to like 18. It's never going to happen. But I, I do not think I, – I spent like my own time in my own mind this week thinking this, like – I do not think that Tiger needs to meet that record to be considered the greatest of all time, because I think that he's not only um, 
probably the best, most talented golfer for his era in the history of the sport. He also is the savior of the sport because golf was good as dead. Tiger showed up, brought Mm -hmm. golf back to the masses. And if you look at like golf courses built after Tiger started winning majors, it's like exponential growth. Like we're talking golf was dead and he revived the sport all alone. He got it to be the cool thing. He got it to be the thing that athletes played and not just like fat, rich, white guys. And Mm. he turned it into a brand new thing that it had never been. Um, People all modeled their games after him. People modeled their training after him. And I just think it's just so cut and dry that he is by far the greatest golfer of all time, the most important golfer of all time, and one of the most important athletes of all time. Well, you'd ever hear people be like, well, we Jack Nicholas proofed this course, <laughs> right? They, yeah. they're, they're like, this, this course is tiger proof because he was, he was out driving everybody. He was hitting the ball 30 yards farther than everyone. Nobody else was even close. He was hitting his irons 30 yards farther than everyone. So he had an, an immediate like 60 yard advantage, no matter how long a course was Yeah, that nobody else could, nobody else could meet. And then, like you said, like, there were people like Craig Stadler, whose nickname was the fucking walrus. Like, his name, his nickname was the walrus because he was so fat and so huge. And everyone's like, oh, the walrus is here. Great. And then, like, Tiger Woods shows up and he benches 400 pounds. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's probably what you should look like. Not the fat <laughs> pile of shit with the chicken finger hanging out of his, you know, golf bag. So, um I don't disagree with anything Eric said. And so, like, in reality, like, if there was a time machine, Scotty Scheffler probably beats the shit out of, like, 1997 Tiger Woods. But Scotty Scheffler doesn't play golf without 1997 Tiger Woods. And so, yeah, agreed. And the Masters course in 1997 is significantly easier than it is today because of Tiger. Yeah, he just changed the sport. He literally made... Like anyone who's made money off of the golf industry in the past 25 years has Tiger Woods to thank. He is the reason yes. that golf is a big deal. And it's just cool to see the guy back. And like the, the, the applause and the ovations he got were well-deserved. And it was, it was cool even to see a flawed guy like Tiger back on the floor. That's as much golf as you will ever get from me in my life. On the- that was a lot. That was, that was a lot. That was a good like, five-minute segment. Yeah. All right, guys, uh, Minnesota is not the state of hockey. Every year. We fail. Every we fail. year we blow it. We choke. We're just choke artists. Every single year, the uh, tournament is littered with Minnesota teams. Duluth, Mankato, St. Cloud, Minnesota. I don't know. Who else? Who am I missing? UM, UMD is the only one that can close the deal. And apparently. they're all in the tournament every year. And then every single year, they all blow it. This time, um, Minnesota and Mankato were in the Final Four. Um, Minnesota, like always, is full of 19-year-olds. Mankato had a bunch of 25-year-old men who just absolutely bullied them. Um, Minnesota plays on a much larger sheet of ice all year to give themselves an advantage, only to lose that advantage brutally when they have to play on a smaller rink come tournament time every single year. Um, So they got beat up pretty badly after taking a 1-0 lead. And in the championship game, um, Denver, the very veteran Denver team, beat the very veteran Minnesota State Mankato team. Mankato took the lead and was winning one nothing going into the final uh, period, and then ended up losing the game five to one in true Minnesota fashion. Total implosion. Total, total implosion. Just terrible. So, 
We are not. It's hard to call ourselves the state of hockey when we don't win anything. Yeah, a lot of good teams, but yeah, when they can't close the deal, that right. sucks. So we talked about uh, we we wished Coach K goodbye last week and enjoyed that dancing on his grave a bit. Um, but I it didn't make me watch the NCAA championship game. Did you guys watch it? I think I had it on. I watched the second half, yeah, because I was flying. Um, I was traveling at the time and caught the second half. And Kansas. it was it was pretty cool, right? It was a big comeback. It was the tale of two halves, yeah. Yeah, they were down by 15 points, came back. And, at halftime. Yeah, at halftime, came back and uh, won the game. Um, I don't know. I was just happy Duke didn't win, I guess. Is that fair? I think that's where everybody's at. And North Carolina finally, like, they only played like six dudes the whole tournament with like a fringe seventh player who played very sparingly and like two of their best players sprained their ankles two games in a row and just couldn't play. And it's unfortunate that it ended up that way. And that's not taking anything away from Kansas, but uh, North Carolina was uh, significantly more thin up front. And you had the uh, very awkward play where the floor wasn't like held down enough. Did you see this? Where he, he hurt his ankle no. because he stepped on the floor and there was a loose floorboard. Yeah. Oh, no. The floorboards yeah, moved. It wasn't yep. great. It wasn't great. Um, in much sadder news, Dwayne Haskins, former Ohio State quarterback, current quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, a backup quarterback, died in a very weird accident where he was hit by a car on the highway. Do we know much more than that? Was like it at nighttime? I think he was hit by a he was hit by a dump truck at seven AM. I don't know. Oh, the whole what story is super tragic. Super sad and probably has to do with mental health. It sucks. Um he he was a disappointment in the NFL um but obviously he had to kind of find a home in Pittsburgh and it's just a bummer to see a young guy lose his life in such circumstances i mean it's a bummer well he was also drafted by washington which is like a fucking horror like shitty franchise to begin with and so like maybe if he you know got his footing under mike tomlin like maybe things would have been a little bit different who knows but all for not at this point yeah i'm sure details will come out there and they're not going to be happy yeah sad all right finally uh big matchup today in the premier league Kind of their premier matchup of the year as uh, first place Man City hosted second place Liverpool. Uh, I, I know other teams around the world have won titles, have won you know Champions League, have won their own league titles, have won Europa League, have won whatever. But I would say just consistently over the last few years, these have probably been the two best teams in the world um, in the Premier League and and abroad. I know City has never won the Champions League. Um, but they have been just two of the big teams, and this was the big matchup of the year, and I thought NBC had some fantastic coverage of the whole thing, and it didn't disappoint. For the second time in the league this year, it finished in a really wild, exciting 2-2 draw. I mean, it didn't disappoint in that like the match was electric. I mean, there was a lot of goals. I mean, well, there's four total, right? Um it was back and forth. There was, you know, cool opportunities, good saves, all those things. But it was a, a little disappointment that it was a draw. I mean, because you had you have a result where if the City wins, they essentially win the league. If Liverpool wins, they have a great chance to win the league. But when they draw, it's kind of like City, you know, City's chances certainly go up because they're up by, they have one point up. But 
it's kind of leaves it still open ended, right? I mean, if 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 City drops points at all, maybe Liverpool has a chance. So I don't know. What did you guys think about the draw? I thought it was super exciting. It was a showcase of soccer. I mean, as a neutral fan in this one, I felt like um, more than anything, I just wanted a great game, and that's what we got. We got exciting yeah. goals. We had huge saves. We had drama, um, defense. You know, chances both ways. A frantic game um, with pace and athleticism. Two teams that I think are, are have been pretty unmatched this year, and uh, I, I say that for all all of the other leagues. I mean, these are two really, really great teams. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see them duking it out in the Champions League final later this year. And it was just a great showcase of a great sport and a sport that probably hasn't felt accessible to American audiences. And it's games like this and players like this and matchups like this that um, continue to make it a much bigger sport in the U.S. And I thought like their coverage afterwards, having Klopp and uh, Pep on uh, to chat with uh, the the, the different broadcast team people was great. Pep is the ultimate charmer. Um, came on to the mm-hmm. U.S. broadcast and wished, uh, congratulated U.S. fans on U.S. making the World Cup. And Oh, yeah. He talked about watching the Masters, and he was <laughs> he is a fucking pro of a schmoozer, dude. He really is. So I, I really liked it, and, and it's, it's, um, it's crazy. I, I, don't, I don't dislike either of these teams as much as I probably should. Like if I was an English <laughs> fan, I probably would really dislike both of these teams. Um, but I, I actually think that um, in the world of massive spending, these two teams have run business models that are sustainable and amazing. And mm-hmm. it's almost like I, I just respect both of these teams. I know there's lots of money that's been pumped into the city, but they they so rarely overspend on anybody. You know, they they've been brilliant about mm-hmm. every dollar they've spent. Liverpool is insanely wealthy and they have so much money in the bank and they rarely, if ever, even splurge on players. And so mm-hmm. it's been like two masterfully crafted teams that I, I really enjoy watching. So I thought this was a great showcase of, of the sport. It was fun. Liverpool still got a chance. Uh, I don't know if they do, but... Well, City would have to drop a game or, or, or draw. I mean, they could. I mean, yeah, of course. So could Liverpool. Yeah. Um, and then the whole thing's moot at that point. I well, thought it was let me a lot say of this. Fun. You guys both told me very confidently that Liverpool has no chance this year. They'll probably get second and that City is going to win. And I think even you guys are a little shocked at how close it's got. First of all, first of all, how dare you? I picked United to win the league this season. So I okay. could not be more wrong. And I True. would have never said Liverpool has no chance. That must have been Eric. <laughs> I think Eric was dead set, and you're probably going to be right. That's the thing that's, that's annoying is that City is probably going to win it, and then you'll have been right, not realizing that you shouldn't have been as confident as you were, even if you end up being right. I think is, that was like two years ago that I said that they had no chance. No, you said it this year too. And Eric's in a dark sports spot right now, James. So kind I know of I don't want to push him too hard because I feel bad. So I, I have a I have a I was going to do this for the warm up question. But I'm going to go ahead and do it now since we're talking about the Premier League. Mm-hmm. This will be, I'll make this like a two pronged and you can each, each answer. If Jurgen Klopp or Pep Guardiola were hired by the United States men's national team to coach the national team, how excited would you be on a scale of one to 10? Um, I would be uh, an eight. 
which would be the <laughs> highest level I've ever been for the U.S. national team. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, I think I think we know Ryan like is we're much more into the men's national team than I am certainly and probably than Eric is as well. For sure. So you may be very very excited. I would just like I mean it'd be great. I would probably think wow, we certainly have a lot better chance now to be relevant. The only reason I ask this question is cuz both the managers have contracts that are expiring at some point in the next year or two and I don't I don't know what that means in terms of their future. They could obviously both sign yeah, extensions I mean, and would that, and wait, would that, that mean that he couldn't coach or manage Liverpool? Yeah, you can't. Jurgen? You can't do both. Oh yeah. well, then I'd be very disappointed. I, I don't. I would much. No, rather no, no. Have I know. I know. But let's say yeah. like Jurgen Klopp like announces like this is going to be my last year at Liverpool. My assistant, you know, Kevin is going to take over. Kevin Klopp, and we're going to bring him <laughs> in. This is my son. It's my son. He's a really good manager. Don't worry. It, you'll be in good hands. No, but like I was hoping that. Eric would fl- fly over the moon if like Pep Guardiola was hired as the U S men's national team manager, that we would actually have a chance to win the world cup. I don't think we'd have a chance to win the world cup because I don't think our players are all that good. Like I think that we have like, okay players. I mean like Pulisic is good, but he's like what the 10th or so best player on Chelsea, 15th player. Like he's not even in the vicinity of the best player on Chelsea. And Chelsea's a really great team. They're one of the best teams on earth, but they're not even the best team in the world, and he's not even the best, you know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Champions of Europe, excuse me. For now. Excuse yeah. me. You know, like, they're, they're great. I just said they're a great team. One Champions of, the best of Europe. But, like, it's just, uh, that's where we're at. I mean, Weston McKinney is, like, a backup for Juventus. Gio Reyna, when he's What? Not- no, Weston McKinney is, was starting <laughs> all season. Last year, maybe. I mean, he's no. He started all. He's been hurt. Yeah, I think he's done for the year. I would bet he will be sold at some point this summer. And Reyna, when he's not pulling his uh, Scott, I hope Weston McKinney is sold to Arsenal, and then we get to hear Eric talk about how. Oh my God, what a great player! We are so lucky <laughs> to have Weston McKinney. I'm so excited about him. I think Weston McKinney is like a Southampton player, and that's cool too. And I, I just think we're 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 pretty shallow on our talent but but it's coming it's coming it's on the way and a great manager would maybe get us into the final eight or even maybe we sneak into the final four teams in the world i think i think this is the talent i think this is where we're at at this (laughs) point i don't think christian pulisic at 26 is going to have any muscles that are working (laughs) the u.s guys don't have any muscles that work their leg muscles just are like paper mache so all right guys um you know Lots of good stuff to happen in, in the world of soccer. Uh, but next up, we got to move on to uh, the Twins. They start their season. They go one and two in the first weekend. Uh, but they do excite us finally in the third game with the Bomba squad returning and mashing just a bevy of home runs. Uh, Byron Buxton had two. Gary Sanchez hit a, a grand slam. Polanco hit a home run. Kepler hit a home run. Correa hit a home run. I mean, they were just murdering the ball. Three home runs into the third deck by the way. Yeah, they were just pulverizing the ball in this game. Um, I I do think that this is how the team is going to look all year. Inconsistent, but competitive. Um, I'm not saying even good, but just competitive. Uh, There is some real star power on this team, but there is some serious question marks as well. It would be awesome if we would just hit five home runs a game for the remainder of the season and win every game nine to four. Like, I don't expect much out of our pitching. 
Do you? I mean, I have I have very small hopes for our starting pitching in particular. Um, and now that we have like, I think we have like one lefty on the entire staff. Is that is that a correct um, assumption or assessment? You I know better than most. One so, left-handed so pitcher on the entire staff. I will say this: the Twins did make a big move right before the season started. They traded for Chris Paddock, the right-handed pitcher from the Padres. And people were really iffy about this move because they traded for Chris Paddock and Emilio Pagan, and they traded um, Taylor Rogers, our closer, and Brent Rooker, uh, former first-round draft pick, I believe he was. I mean, Rooker, fine, great. But Rogers was like a lefty kind of specialist. I loved this trade. I loved it. I think it was fantastic. I think they nailed this thing. If like you, Let me give you my reasoning on this, guys. So we traded 31-year-old free agent B, Taylor Rogers, who makes $7.5 million a year and will probably get a pretty good-sized contract as a 32-year-old this coming offseason. We are the Minnesota Twins, and even if we've spent a little bit this offseason, that is not the long-term future of this team. We are not these big spenders. We also traded Brent Rooker, who is like a rookie, big bat guy, former first-round pick. I think we got him with a compensatory pick or whatever it was called when they used to have those. And he might be a rookie, but he's 27 years old already. This guy is a big college bat that would have already arrived if he was ever going to be anything. Okay. And he's not. You traded for Chris Paddock, who I know is a flawed pitcher, but he is 26 years old, makes $2.5 million. And we have three years of team control now on this. Well, and two seasons ago, he was really good. Two seasons ago, he looked like one of the next big things in baseball. Um, so he's 26 years old, and he's at minimum a, you know, a middle-of-the-pack starting pitcher, hopefully. And then you also got 30-year-old Emilio Pagan thrown into the deal, the former closer of the uh, Rays, uh, you know, a solid veteran arm who's got two years of team control and makes about $2.5 million. So we saved money, got team control over pitchers, which we never have, got a young arm, uh, five years younger than Taylor Rogers, And then the guy we put in his place, Duran, was that his name? Duran? Struck out the side in his first appearance as a reliever. I don't know. I'm excited about the Twins. Um, even if they never make it, at least they're trying. And when you're a bad franchise like the Twins, trying sometimes is enough. Well, like, <laughs> not bad. They're not a bad franchise, just significantly underfunded in – terms of baseball money um and i stand corrected we have two left-handed pitchers on the squad caleb dealbar and danny columbay but we do not have any starting pitchers that are lefties which is a problem well righties beware um yeah so let's move on uh from the timberwolves because we've talked a ton of timberwolves over the last few weeks the twins i'm sorry that's twins (laughs) and let's move on to the timberwolves i'm sorry everyone Um, thank you Playing game this week. They play against the Clippers. Uh, they play on Tuesday. What do we think is going to happen in this game, guys? Jim? Do you feel like this is your worst nightmare? Like you you've been sweating this for since Paul George. My worst came nightmare out. would be to find out tomorrow night that Kawhi Leonard is feeling great and he's going to be able to participate. <laughs> I would be like, let's go Spurs, baby, because <laughs> we're we. I really want to win this game. I mean, I don't want to go down and compete for the eight seed, which is a which is signing up for a sweep against the fucking Terminator robotic, always perfect sons. Um, the Grizzlies, like, dude, we can we can fuck with the Grizzlies a little bit. Like, we might win a couple home games against them, and that would be really fun. I'm going to go to the first one. I can't wait. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. But now, but you know, we got Paul George and he's back and he's playing really well. And playoff P, you know, he had this history of like fucking sucking ass. And it was like this big joke of, of Paul George in the playoffs. But last playoffs, he was really legit. He was averaging like 25 and he had some 35 point games and they went to the Western Conference Finals. Um, so that might, anything can happen. Um, I think we're going to win because I'm a homer. Um, and I think that we're going to, I have my, my screen name here on our, our squad cast is Jimber Wolves 124 clips 118. I'm going to stick with that. Okay. So I have a couple questions for you because you have been Collins needs to stay out of foul trouble. That's the number one thing. If he has like three fouls in the first half, I'm, I'm concerned. All right. So you were Mr. Positive Timberwolves fan all year. So I do have a yes. few questions for you. Uh, they win the playing game and they lose in six games to the Grizzlies. Was it a successful season? Yes. They lose in four to the Grizzlies. Was it a successful season? Yes. They lose the playing game and they get swept by the Suns. Was it a success? Yes. <laughs> they don't make the playoffs. They lose both playing games. Is it a success? No. So just making the playoffs was the bar yeah. that you had. Yep. Yep. That's the bar. Well, especially dude, considering, I, considering I, I, the whole fan well, of the hold on. Go the ahead. over the over under for the wins was like what thirty nine. Oh, it was well under. It was like three four games under five hundred. So in that yeah. regard, it has been. But I thought we would make the playoffs the whole time. That was my expectation. Was that uh, we would? Uh, ho, ho, hold on. You Not thought the we would whole make time. the playoffs. There was the time thought, when yeah, we lost. Yeah, you thought like we would make the playoffs. And yeah, and you thought we would make the playoffs initially, and then yeah. we won a couple games early. And then we lost a bunch, and you were like, man, am I glad I didn't bet the over for the Wolves win. <laughs> and now I wish I had hammered the over like I told yeah. everybody to do, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I expected to make the playoffs. I don't consider making the play-in tournament the playoffs. It's not. Um, you're, you're fighting for a playoff spot, which I've said I liked it in the past. And it's like what you don't want to be is the seven seed in the play-in tournament. It blows. It's like you had your spot. You earned your seven seed, right? And now you got to fight for it for no reason. Um, whereas, like, if you're the eight seed, sweet, right? You get a chance to go to the seven seed. If you're the ten seed, you really fucking love it because you just get, you know, an extra game. So the seven, it sucks for the seven seed. That's where we're at. But if you like it as a concept, you got to like it even when your team's getting fucked by it. I don't think it's a successful season unless we play a competitive series. Then I'll say, you know what? Yeah, I get that, and that's that's more reasonable, yeah. right? You want to be competitive in the playoffs. I'm I'm in much of a homer. I'm just happy if they're having fun. So for me, if they can win up, you know, they won a playoff game against the Rockets. It was a gentleman sweep. We won one um, with the the Jimmy Butler year, right? And I thought we were building on something, and then we got worse. So I don't want that to happen. Um, I do expect us to be better next year than we are this year, but you never know. Well, I'm sure we'll beat it to death with the talk on it, but they're going to have to make some moves. I think the move has got to be D'Lo. Yeah. It's got to be D'Lo. I'm fine with that. Yeah. They have have gone with D'Lo all year, and he has completely fallen off the last couple weeks, and the team has kind of fallen off too. And so, Yeah, it's weird because, like, he had that swagger. I mean, I remember texting the group about it and being like, these wolves don't care, man. They, they, they're just, they're going after it and they're feeling mm-hmm. it. And D'Lo was part of that. And oh, now all of a sudden, like crunch time comes around and it's looking like 
Thilo looks a little scared. He's either back that to shooting or, 25%. Uh, but either that or, like, I don't know, maybe there's something to be said about maybe the sliding scale of relaxation versus, like, playoff crunch coming in. You know what I mean? Like, where not only guys are feeling it, but mm-hmm. the defenses on the other side of it are ramping up their effort yeah. in preparation for the playoffs or just, like, uh, in must-win situations. Like, the, the effort from other teams is you know, exponentially higher than it would be for a game in September, you yeah. know, or, or October or whatever. So um, there's, there's gotta be something there, but I don't know, maybe he's hurt too. I mean, it, it just, he just doesn't seem like the person that the offense was running through yeah. at a high rate. It does of, make you wish the playoffs started like mid February when we couldn't fucking lose. Yeah. That, yep. that we were really peaking then. And now I think we're a little bit less consistent. Um, Towns is going to have to play like he was during that stretch, not like he has been where he's averaging more like 20. He needs to be yeah. averaging 30 during the, the and playoffs. And stay out so. of foul trouble and like keep the yeah. confidence high. And Pat Bev not getting ejected would be all great improvements <laughs> on the playoff performances. Yeah. But well, I'm, I will I'm say. Super excited. It does suck. The game's at 9, starts at 9.30, I think. Maybe it's 8.30 Central. Right. Brutal. Um, it's but it's you know of course even though it's here we're playing it to the West Coast fucking uh, time zone so it's gonna be a late night. Oh, but, uh, you mean the audience it. with like a hundred million more people? Yeah, yeah, of course. I suppose um, I get it. And also, uh, I don't. I think Pat Beverly would rather like slit his wrists like a la James Bond to make sure that the Timberwolves win over the Clippers uh mm. then have him lose man did you see his press conference about like the goals that he had set for the wolves yeah pretty that was pretty cool when was the last time that you heard a wolves player talk about like team goals like that in front of the press and i would say mm-hmm. the answer is probably like kg yeah from like way back in the day for pat bev to be like uh nope we we're gonna win this many games we we're gonna be this seed and we got there's some other goals I'm not going to tell you about that you know we're still working for and mm-hmm. I appreciate I appreciate that level of commitment to an organization and it explains a lot why he got his contract renewed you know for an additional year right. to help maybe some of the young kids learn what it means to be a pro like what it means to care about a franchise and try and take it forward yeah I totally Sorry, agree I, it was it I was nice to watch lot. all right. I think that they're going to lose to the Clips. And, and then and then what? We beat just, the... just because Arsenal lost two games in a row that they should have won doesn't mean you need to bring your stink over to I the Timberwolves. Hey, I gave some real positive takes on golf, Tiger Woods, and <laughs> Twins yeah, so far. Just so you, you could don't come care in, about at all. Just, yeah, just so you could people's elbow the Timberwolves. <laughs> I think the Timberwolves are going to win the second game. And lose badly to the Suns is my guess. Yeah, it's all possible. Um, I would not. I wouldn't be surprised. Finally, the Wild playing some crazy games. They were winning three one late against St. Louis, a must win game against a team fighting for the two spot in their division, and they blew the lead and lost four three in overtime. Then today they were down three nothing uh, to the Kings before scoring six straight in early. Uh. This team is a little unpredictable, but boy, oh boy, are they fun to watch. Um, they also have Kaprizov, who has now set the mark for the most points in the history of a Minnesota Wild season. 
He is tied now with Eric Stahl and Marion Gabrick for the most goals ever scored by a wild player in the season, which he should destroy in the next few weeks. He looks like he might get to 50 goals, which would be the first time ever that a wild player got to that um, impressive achievement. And I am ready to crown him the greatest wild player of all time. In his life. <laughs> that is so sad. It is really sad. And I don't really think that there's much of an argument against it. I think, I think people would be like, oh, it's got to be Miko Koivu. He cared about the team a lot. But Miko Koivu has never had a season like Kaprizov, who has now scored no. 10 goals in 10 games. He has- it's great. It's one season, though. He could literally turn out to be a fucking Russian spy next year and then, like, leave. You can't crown him yet. Dude, it just shows you how sad our Putin could call him home at any time, dude. We need to, like, pump the brakes a little bit. But, hey, you can easily say this is the greatest season a Wild player's ever had, and there's that's undeniable. I think that it's just more sad that we've just never had a player like him. We've had the yeah. fan base who's been desperate for a star, who's been desperate for a guy who can pump it into the net, who is fun to watch, who's fun to root for, um, whose teammates love to play with him. Um, Zuccarello, who has been in the league for a long time, said he's never played with someone like Kaprizov who takes such joy in every shift that he has. So, I mean, I think, I think that's more of a symptom of Chuck Fletcher, the GM for so mm -hmm. long, who Leopold thought was like God's gift to organizing a team. Meanwhile, when you look at the landscape of pro sports, trading all of your future assets for guys like Matt Molson and Thomas Vanek and like every trade you make was with the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah. Probably not the answer. Like that's probably <laughs> not the way to do business. I'm just saying. I do think though that Kaprizov is like one of the true stars of the league. Now he is um, this, the highest scoring under 25 player in the world, which is really cool. He is tied for third in most points from a losing position, which is a great stat. So when his team is down, he fights hardest to get them back into games. The only guys ahead of him are tied with him. Haberdeau from um, Florida and Dreisaitl and McDavid, who have just been losing a lot of the season um, and are the two top point guys in the league, are the only guys ahead of him um, when it comes to that. So he's been clutch. He scored so many big goals. He has 10 goals in 10 critical games down the stretch here. And, and, and that's all with... Not scoring, I don't think he scored in his first 10 games, yeah, season or something like that. Well, he's like, gonna be nuts next year, like, I can't wait. Like, he had lots of assists early, but he wasn't scoring, so he went like 0 for in his first 10 games. Imagine if he had like three goals in there, I mean, it'd be he'd be well on his way to 50. 42 goals already. I mean, it just is a remarkable season. They're pretty much locked in now to play St. Louis in the first round, I think, unless everything falls apart for one of the two teams. Um, they're gonna play each other with the right to go probably get your butt whipped by Colorado in the next round. But I do think the, the Wild are on the right track. I really do. And considering they made some drastic moves to get rid of some former deadweight in Suter and Parisi, you know, they're going to need this young roster with guys like Rossi and Boldy and Kaprizov and guys who can carry the load when we don't exactly have all the cap space over the next two years that we would probably need to compete. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It does feel Do you like think you're going to get Dumba versus um, Dumba or Fiala. One of them is gone for sure. Do you think getting Marc-Andre Fleury pushes us past St. Louis to 
to even be competitive. Like I feel like having Mark Andre Fleury in net versus Colorado is significantly better than them having Darcy Kemper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean Colorado is significantly more talented than we are. But oh, I, I don't, I don't. I'm not arguing that point. I'm just saying like goaltending is the ultimate like yeah, equalizer for in sure. the NHL playoffs. And I think that yeah. um, the threat of bringing in Mark Andre Fleury obviously brought the best out in Cam Talbot, and um, Mark Andre Fleury is definitely well past his prime, but is still such a veteran and such a good player, and has come in and it's been kind of a calming force to. The entire team. So I do think it was a nice move. And the fact of the matter is they traded pretty much a guy that was never was refusing to sign with them for uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. Unless we like win the Stanley Cup, that's all the trade will ever be. Just pretty, pretty chill. So I do feel good about where they're at. And I do feel great about Kaprizov, who is a different level player than we've mm-hmm. ever seen in Minnesota. And that's really exciting. Yeah, is there is there a player, and uh, not just hockey? Is there a player of that age with this distancy in Minnesota sports in general? Probably Jefferson. I was going to say Jefferson or Adrian yeah. Peterson. Yeah, probably those be. guys. Moss obviously was that, but not many. I mean, where guys just come in and they're just such a phenom, um, and they're not just a phenom on their own team. I think like we make the mistake a lot of times of being like Minnesota good. Like, right. I'm not trying to rip any of the Timberwolves. They've had some great players, but not since Garnett have we had a guy who was NBA yeah. elite. Like, Towns. Yeah, is- I mean, we're, we're over here like Carl Towns is unbelievable. We're so happy to have him. And then, you know, people rank him 25th overall or whatever. He'll, he'll be, like, okay. I, I think he'll make the third team all NBA team this year, which would be a cool honor for him as yeah. the third team center, which is great. And be one of the 15 guys that makes those teams. And I think he deserves that. He's yeah. probably a top 15 guy in the league, which is awesome. But, I mean, uh, Kaprizov next year might be fighting to be, like, one of the five best guys in the league. And right. that is a different story. Like, and he's, Does – do the Wild hold the title belt for Minnesota? Probably right now. Yes. I mean, they're, they're the answer has to be yes. They're the only team with the real chance to win it. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say right now of the Minnesota teams, I would say it probably goes – everyone's kind of in the same boat other than the Wild who have been kind mm-hmm. of a contender. I think the Wild are probably one. Uh, the Wolves might be number two. Maybe the Vikings, they're kind of right next to each other. Is like, I mean, the Wolves are, the wolves are not the wolves, a contender. The Wolves have no real chance to win the title. It's just we're just happy for them because they're Minnesota good. Maybe like the Vikings, then the Wolves, yeah. then the yeah. United, and then the Twins. And they're all, all those four teams are kind of in the middle of the pack, I think. Yeah. So okay. yeah. I think it's, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's the wild. And then it's like everyone else is in a different group. Yeah. And they're all yeah. kind of like in the middle of their sport where like they're kind yeah. of a contender, but they're not going to be bad. And yeah. so, yeah, I would say they're the best team in Minnesota right now by, by quite a bit. And they've been exciting this year. I mean, for how many years do we have Jacques Lemaire as our coach and we played like the most boring hockey and it's like, they are, they give up a lot of goals, but damn it. They score a lot of goals too. And, like, how many just, like, six to four games have they won this year? Like, they've just been a fun team to watch. Um, you know, they've got some tough guys. They brought in, I don't even know, three guys at the deadline that are all, like, willing to just, like, fight and have mustaches. And yeah, Tyson Yost and a couple of the other dudes. Yeah, and Dilo gets his interviews, and he has, like, eight cuts on his face at all times. It's, like, bizarre. Yeah. So, 
I don't yeah. know, some real hockey guys they brought in for, for the, the stretch run here. And I, I do think that this team is one that, um, you know, in the world of hockey, anything can happen in these playoffs. They've got to be one of the five favorites to win the Stanley Cup. I, I really mean that. I mean, realistically, Talbot or Fleury have to get to a level that we've never seen or we haven't seen goaltending in Minnesota since Rollison and Manny Fernandez and the, you know, everyone's favorite hockey reference season here in Minnesota. Like, they, we, there's just no way you're going to even move on in the first round without goaltending that's absurdly good. I agree. So I'm excited about this. Uh, we'll be fun next few weeks to see where they end up. It should be a two, three matchup with them and uh, the blues. And hopefully we get to host that matchup. Um, but guys, that's it. That's all the time we have this week on the Nordies podcast. Hopefully everyone goes and checks out our screencast, which I thought was absolute fire this week. Uh, really good stuff. So until next week, thank you guys for hanging out and listening to the Nordies podcast. <laughs>